You are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year, I am reading from this four-volume, over 2,500-page work of the Venerable Maria of Agreda. Today is day 44, and if you would like to read along, you can acquire your own copy of the Mystical City of God, the four volumes from Tan Books. And when you go over to their website and use the code PODCAST15, you're going to save 15% off at checkout. Also, there is a discussion group on Facebook, the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast Facebook group, where you can interact and dialogue about each day's readings with other readers and listeners. Today is day 44, and we continue our reading about the guardian angels from chapter 23. We'll begin where we left off at paragraph number 369, and we will read through 377. With the wings of their breasts, they beat the air or seemed to fly, thereby imitating two things. On the one hand, by their incessant motion and flight, the love, the praise, and reverence which they gave to God. On the other, in disclosing their breasts, they wished to serve, as it were, to the Most Holy Mary, as a most pure mirror of the divinity, reflecting its essence and operations to her during the time of her earthly pilgrimage. For it was not possible nor proper that the divinity should be manifested to her in open vision during that time. The Blessed Trinity wished that their daughter and spouse should, in these seraphim, the creatures closest to the divinity, encircling the throne, see most faithfully presented living images, which she could not continually see in its own essence and in the original. By this means, the heavenly spouse enjoyed the portrait of her beloved, even in the banishment of her pilgrimage, being thus inflamed body and soul with his love, by his vision and intercourse, through these exalted and love-consumed princes. The manner of this intercourse, over and above that which was sensible in it, was the same as that which they maintained among themselves, namely that those of a higher order enlightened those of a lower, as I have said elsewhere. For although the Queen of Heaven was higher and greater in dignity and merit, yet as David intimated, Psalm 8.6, on account of her human nature, she was lower than the angels, the ordinary manner of divine influence and enlightenment adapts itself to the conditions of nature and not of grace. The other twelve angels are the guardian angels of the twelve gates of which St. John speaks in the 21st chapter of the Apocalypse, Apocalypse twenty-one twelve, as explained above. They distinguish themselves by the loving praise with which they celebrate the goodness of God in becoming man, to teach and converse with men, and next to their joy at the redemption of men and their readmission into the gates of heaven by his merits, was their loving wonder at the important part which Most Holy Mary performed in the mystery of the redemption. They were especially attentive to these great and wonderful works by which God was to open up in heaven in order that men might enter into eternal life, and this latter is signified by these twelve gates of the tribes of Israel. The reward of their signal devotion was that God appointed them as witness, and as it were secretaries of the mysteries of the redemption, that they were privileged to cooperate with the Queen of Heaven as mother of mercy and mediatrix of those who turned to her for their salvation. Therefore, I said above, number 273, that Her Majesty, the Queen, makes use especially of these twelve angels to assist, enlighten, and defend her clients in their necessities, and particularly in order to draw them from sin, whenever they invoke them and the Most Holy Mary. 
These twelve angels appeared in the same corporeal shape as those which I have first mentioned, except that they bore palms and crowns reserved for the devout servants of the mistress. Their service consisted especially in bringing to her mind an ineffable kindness of the Lord toward the human race, and in inciting her to praise him and petition him for the fulfillment of his mercy. She sent them as messengers of her prayers to the throne of the Eternal Father. They were sent also to those of her clients who invoked her on whom she wished to help and benefit in order to enlighten them and assist them, as happened many times to the holy apostles. For often did she aid them by the ministry of angels and their labors for the primitive church. Even now in our days... These twelve angels are engaged in the same ministry, helping the devout servants of their and our queen. The eighteen angels which completed the number of a thousand were those who signalized themselves in their compassion for the sufferings of the incarnate word. Their reward for this compassion was great. They appeared to Most Holy Mary in a wonderful beauty, bearing many emblems of the passion and of other mysteries of the redemption especially two crosses of the most refulgent splendor and beauty, one on their breast and one on their arms. The sight of this wonderful display excited great admiration in the queen, a most tender and compassionate love toward the sufferings of the Redeemer of the world, and most fervent thanks and acknowledgement of the benefits which men were to receive in their redemption and rescue from captivity. The great princess very often sent these angels to her divine son, with diverse messages and petitions on behalf of souls. In describing the forms and the ornaments of these angels, I have at the same time mentioned some of their perfections and operations, although necessarily in a limited way, if compared to the reality. For they are invisible rays of the divinity, most alert in their movements and operations, most powerful in strength, most penetrating in their understanding, incapable of mistake, unchangeable in their condition, and in their purpose, never forgetting or losing sight of that which once they have undertaken. They are full of grace and glory without any fear of ever losing them, as they are without a body, and invisible, therefore, whenever God wishes to grant a man the favor of being able to see them. They assume an aerial and apparent body, one that is adapted to the senses and to the object intended. All these angels of the Queen Mary were selected from the most distinguished of their respective orders and choirs, their superiority, consisting principally in that of grace and glory. They guarded their lady without neglecting the least point of their service during her holy life. And even now in heaven they derive an especial accidental enjoyment from her presence and company. Although ordinarily only some of them are sent to execute the special mandates of her will, yet all of them together are at times engaged in her service, fulfilling the decrees of the divinity in her regard. Instructions given to me by the Queen of Heaven. My daughter, on three different points I wish to instruct thee in this chapter. The first is that thou, by incessant praise and acknowledgement, show thyself thankful for the favor which God vouchsafed to thee in appointing angels to assist thee, teach thee, and guide thee through the tribulations and sorrows. Mortals, in their abominable ingratitude and grossness, ordinarily forget this blessing. They do not consider what great mercy and condescension the Most High it is to have ordained these holy princes as helpers, guardians, and defenders of men 
their earthly fellow creatures, so full of miseries and sins, and forgetting how exalted in glory and dignity and beauty these spirits are, many men deprive themselves of numerous blessings, which they would otherwise obtain at the hands of these angels. Greatly do they rouse the indignation of the Lord on this account. Thou, however, my dearest, acknowledge these blessings, and give him thanks with all thy heart. The second point is that thou, in every place and at all times, preserve love and reverence toward these holy spirits, as if thou didst see them with thy corporeal eyes, and that, and that thou dare not do before them what thou wouldst not do in public. Cease not to exert thyself in the service of God, even as they do, and as they require of thee. Remember that they continually see the face of God, Matthew 18.10, being of the blessed. Since they at the same time see thee, let there be nothing indecent in thee. Show thyself grateful to them for their vigilance, defense, and protection. Let the third point be that thou live attentive to the calls, urging, and aspirations by which these angels seek to rouse thee, move, and excite thee to the recollection of the Most High, and to the exercise of all the virtues. Be mindful how often they have responded to thy calls, how often they have placed themselves in the way of seeking, how often they have solicited for these signs of the love of the spouse, kindly reprehending thee for thy carelessness and remisses. When thou didst lose in thy troubles and weariness the guiding star of this light, they renewed hope in thy breast and patiently corrected thee, directing thy footsteps again into the narrow path of the justifications and testimonies of the Lord. Do not forget, my soul, the greatness of the benefits bestowed upon thee in these angels, for they are above those of many nations and generations. Strive to be grateful to thy Lord and to the angels, his ministers. This concludes our reading today from the Mystical City of God for Day 44. We concluded Chapter 23 today, reading Paragraphs 369 to 377. I really enjoyed that teaching from the Blessed Mother about the angels at the very end, giving us three points really to take home, and we'll talk about those in just a few moments. One of the other things that super impressed me about this reading was this idea that these angels that are assigned to Mary, of course, they're still with her in the kingdom of heaven. And Maria Vagrata writes that now we who are devoted to the Blessed Mother, and when we ask Mary, pray for so-and-so who is sick, well, then Mary is going to maybe send one of those angels to that person. It's a beautiful thing to think about, that the Blessed Mother, as the queen of angels, is able to disperse these angels. And this is something that St. Faustina would write about, that she would send her guardian angel to the Blessed Sacrament if she was sick in her room. And so the Blessed Mother sending her angels, her guardian angels here now for us, for the sake of us who are her servants. We heard that she did this especially for the primitive church and that even now in our days, these 12 angels are engaged in the same ministry, helping the devout servants of their and our queen. We are her devout servants. Something to marvel at, I think. In the instruction that the Blessed Mother gives to Maria of Agreda, well, she tells Maria that she needs to be grateful for the role of the angels, how they assist you, teach you, and guide you through tribulations and sorrows. When's the last time you thanked your guardian angel? Maybe it was as you were driving through an intersection and all of a sudden you saw a car coming and you came to a halt and... 
As a result, you were spared. And so maybe that brought you, moved you to a point of gratitude for the intercession of your guardian angel, the presence, the protection that that guardian angel. But maybe sometimes think about this. When you have an inspiration, sure, it could be the Holy Spirit, but maybe the guardian angel or your guardian angel in cooperation with the Holy Spirit is inspiring you to call someone, to write someone, to visit someone. The second advice that the Blessed Mother gives, realize that your guardian angel is adoring the face of God while at the same time is with you, quoting Matthew 18.10. And so we have the presence of heaven around us all the time, the guardian angel. And so what a great advice. Uh, I've often said this, you know, don't do something that would disappoint Mary, the mother of God, or of course, the Lord Jesus principally, but just thinking about Mary as my mother. And if I take her into my home and I live with her as a mother, well, then I don't want to do anything that would displease my mother. Well, now she, as our mother, is telling us, well, don't do anything that would displease your guardian angel. Don't do anything in private that you wouldn't do in public is basically the advice of Mary here. Maybe the next time we're inclined to commit a sin, we think of, well, I don't want to have my guardian angel exposed to this. And maybe that'll be a guide for us in the course of our behavior and action. And then the third point, be attentive to the calls, urging, and aspiration by which these angels seek to rouse thee, move, and excite thee to the recollection of the Most High. So maybe as you go to prayer, Notice the words here, recollection of the Most High. Maybe as you enter into prayer, you say to your guardian angel, Dear guardian angel, help me to encounter God in this prayer and conversation today. When you go to Mass, dear guardian angel, make me attentive to the great mystery that is this Mass that I'm celebrating today. There's a lot to think of about the guardian angels. I'm grateful for this chapter from the Venerable Maria Vagrida, the instruction of the Blessed Virgin Mary. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading The Mystical City of God, and I hope you'll continue to join me. I'll see you tomorrow. May God bless you, and Mary pray for you today.